When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, welcome back to this week's edition of The Last Word on Spurs. We're unfortunately reviewing just taking the one point from the Emirates as opposed to the three. And we'll be getting all into the fallout of the game and how we only managed to come away with just a point despite leading the game 2-0 up at the Emirates. Helping me dissect the game, the North London derby. As always, I've got Jason McGovern alongside myself. Joining myself and Jason, we're again delighted to be welcoming back two returning guests to the last word on Spurs. In first up from BBC Radio 5 Live, Nahal Athanaika and joining myself, Nahal and Jason, pleased to also welcome back to the show the very popular Richard Cracknell, the host of the Football Legends Nights. I hope you enjoy the show. As Lamella sprinting down the middle, Eric Lamella on his right foot, saved. Would you believe it? Christian Eriksen taps into an empty net. And then his start here by Mauricio Pochettino. Arsenal dominate the opening 10 minutes. Tottenham take the lead in the 186th North London Derby. Lamella. Shot to the right of centre. Christian Eriksen. That looks good and it's another good save by Lamb. Maitland Niles is Gunman Son. Christian Eriksen. There's a penalty. It's the foul on Son. As he uh, scooped the ball away, he's challenged down on the ground. Granny Shaka, the perpetrator. Martin Atkinson. Jace, let me come around to yourself to start the show. I think you've got to say, Jace, you know, impossible to be satisfied with a point at Arsenal when you're leading the game 2-0 up, in complete control at that point to some degree, and then not go on to win it. I mean, it does seem, Jace, you tell me your thoughts on this, that we seem to have lost all of our defensive aggression, which was instilled by Maurizio. Is that fair, Jace? I don't know if it's defensive aggression, it's more, more the word composure. You know, it's, uh, I thought we, you know, they, they started probably a little bit quicker than us and our, our goal kind of came out the came out the blue. Between the two goals, we were excellent. And, you know, Leno made made several saves. Sonny was giving them all sorts of problems. And at 40 minutes, you're thinking we're 2-0 up and, and the next goal is a huge one. Let's get to half-time, regroup at half-time, come out the second half, let's... let's you know, play the way we are, trying to play on the break and things. But our composure went went out the window. A moment of madness from from he gets it, and um, who's that? Chase? There was still time, but there was still time to clear the ball as well from Danny Rose. And then, you know, you should still there was still time to clear that ball. It's not totally down to him, but just that bit of lack of game craft where just put it in the corner flag and the referee blows for half time. But um, the second half, we we seem to lose all our composure and, and definitely our our fullback areas today gave us all sorts of troubles because, you know, Sissoko ends up having to play out to cover Davinson Sanchez for much of the game, which leaves Winks on his own against three in midfield. I thought the longer the game went on, 
the less and less ground Ericsson was really covering defensively. And, um, you know, I think when they made it 2-2, you feared that we'd probably go on and get nothing. But it is a disappointment to get to 40 minutes and 2-0 up, particularly there, and not see that game out. Crackers, you know, it's never good to blow a 2 lead. Is 2-2 that bad a result? I mean, it's two tough away games out of the way. You take that and Man City in consideration with two draws. I mean, you've got to take... The main takeaway is that Sanchez is definitely not a right-back. The next question will be is whether Spurs can break down Palace back at White Hart Lane. But on the game itself... How do you see it, Crackers? Disappointed to only come away with a point? Or should we be more, at this point under Maurizio, just more strong defensively to be able to see out a game like that when you're 2-0 up? Yeah, absolutely with a point. We've seen the games out. Um, Maurizio's been there five years and um, I I love him to, to bits. You know, I know there's people questioning Maurizio managing the club. Uh, but nobody ever seems to come up with an answer for who else could come in and do a, do a better job. Uh, those San Marino, I think, are living in Claire Cuckoo land because he ain't going to come in without a £200 million war chest and he's certainly not going to get that. So, um, yeah, so I think you, you a little bit of spotlight and a little bit of microscope deserves to be put on Maurizio from this season now, as I say, after those five years and some of his in-game management and the way the players seem to be set up mentally doesn't seem quite right at the moment uh, to me. They're still not getting that mentality in these games. Like Rose more or less stopping because everybody else screams for a handball. Well, that's stuff you're learning at my, my boy's age, that you play to the whistle. You're wondering what they're doing on the training pitch and what they're doing in team meetings. Um, you know, there there's just seems to be that little bit of mentality lacking amongst the players. And that does come from Maurizio and, and his staff. So there, there is a few little questions there for me, because if we manage that game better... They don't get back into it. They don't get that that first goal, that one just before half time, and give them a little bit of belief and a little bit of impetus for the for the second half. Their second goal, as much as it pains me to say it, was was world class. I mean that that little ball in and the touch from a Banningham was was fantastic, and that beats every defence and every keeper. Maybe a bit slow coming out and shut that ball down, but it was fantastic. But that puts them back into two-two. If we haven't, if we hadn't switched off for the first one, it's then only two-one, and we and we go from now. So it's like Spurs' biggest rivals always seems to be Spurs. No, nobody else, just just mm. ourselves. And I think there's a little bit of little bit of hate needs to be put on Maurizio to say, well, hang on, you know, you've had five years now, and there's not many kids in that size. A lot of experience there now. We need to need to work on that a lot, lot more for me. Yeah, and you consider the side only just got to the Champions League final. They've reached multiple semi-finals, so they should know to some degree what handling the pressure is like. You just wonder, you know, how are they going to combat that in the games to come, in the seasons to come, providing he's still the man in charge. And of course, we still want him to be. Nahal, Spurs have dropped 42 points from winning positions in the Premier League against Arsenal, 11 more than any other side in any competition. How concerning is that? Wow. Um, I mean, <laughs> I wasn't aware of that statistic. That is a terrifying statistic. I don't know. I mean, look, we're three games into the season. I think 
I think if Ndombele had been playing today, considering I saw him play against Aston Villa, and it is Aston Villa, but still, I mean, really missed him. And that kind of new spark, that new energy he brings, we missed, I think, today. But also, um, I just wonder how unsettling it is, the whole Vertonghen and Ericsson thing. I remember once asking Daniel Levy about this, you know, when players want to go and there's rumours around it, what effect it has. And, um, you know, you need to, you know, players that want to play, players that don't want to play, but players where there are rumours over their heads. It can't be a, it, it can't be something that, you know, enhances any situation, can it? And that, that kind of concerns me, that in the gesture. But I think, you know, um, Ndombele was someone that we definitely missed today. It would have created all kinds of havoc for them. All kinds of havoc. But look, we are we've got, you know, two points on the road against top six teams. Our history against top six teams away is not good. So I guess if you wanted to find a silver lining from what happened today, that would be the silver lining I would find. But it's really frustrating. Really, really frustrating at 2 0. You know, my 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 eleven year old son has lectured me quite rightly, never tweet until the game is finished. And luckily I didn't. But at two nil I thought, oh my my might be worth a cheeky tweet. And I thought, nah, this is us. But I thought we were, you know, last season and getting to the Champions League final was, you know, that was us. That was us. That was us fighting. You know, so many people were saying, Phil, Phil McNulty, the chief football writer of the BBC, was saying, like, you can banish the word Spurs. Like, you can't do that anymore. It's over. But we still met, like, last weekend, right? We still managed to do it to ourselves. So it was a good point that Craig has made. Is, you know, we're our biggest... Biggest enemies ourselves, so you know. But like I said, silver linings on the road. Um, we need to uh, we need to um, get involved, and I think that whole Ericsson thing needs to get sorted out. Yeah, we're going to come on to some quotes from Pochettino on Christian Eriksen, which he made after the game against Arsenal. But Jace, back to you. A load of questions in guys over 50. So can't thank you enough. We've tried to turn the show around, as you probably know, within 24 hours of the game. So I hope you appreciate it. Uh, this, Jace, is from John Wardell at Old J Dub, who says, Poch, myth or magic? Spurs have stumbled with 16 points from 16 games. His mood appears all wrong. Yes, he's been let down by the board over contracts, but it's his job to coach the team and get them playing. Has his tactics and team selection been to make a point that he's unhappy? No, I, I don't think anyone d- deliberately throws games just to, no, to, not to make all. out they're unhappy. And, you know, like I say, I think you, you still have to have the context. I mean, it is an awful run when you just say it's, what is it, four wins or three wins in 16 Premier League games. And and that's that's not good enough. But you have to throw into that the context of of reaching the Champions League final. We didn't just play 16 Premier League games straight. So, you know, like I said last week, when you're having the injuries that we had at the stages last year and you're having to rotate around games and you're thinking, you know, we, we could have, I tell you what, what we could have done was say, we've got Bournemouth Saturday, so let's throw the game against Ajax and concentrate fully on the Bournemouth game and let's try and go down there and get a win and then and, and fuck the Champions League. Got to put that run in the context of being in a Champions League final, which I think I'm talking, I think I'm right, he's saying it's the first time in Tottenham's history we've ever been in a Champions League final. So, you know, it wasn't too bad was it Pochettino's coaching and methods that, that got us there? But, but you know, I, I understand the, the frustrations at the moment. And like I say, four wins in, in 16 isn't good enough. But, but um, 
He certainly has to. But, I mean, what can you do in terms of, of coaching that makes Danny Rose lose his head just before half-time? I mean, this is an experienced player that's been that's been in a Champions League final. He's been in a World Cup for England. He's been a, a Premier League player. And, and, you know, I was told all summer, the greatest left-back we've ever had and things like that. And we we can't possibly... He's the person who's going to teach Ryan Sessignon and he's far better than Ben Davis. What makes Danny Rose do that at half-time? Because, you know, can you really blame that on Pochettino, what he does? And then that, that lack of composure. Where Pochettino, I think, has got it wrong today is... I'm, I, I can't quite believe that you stick Devinson Sanchez out at right back when when Toby, for instance, plays at right back regularly for Belgium. So I, I, I can't quite understand that decision at all. But um, so yes, yeah, some some of the things are down to him. But you know, I've seen his interview tonight, and he seems a happy bunny. And I'm sure you know when they all come back, when that window's shut, you know, we'll we'll see what Pochettino's made of. And we got a run of games then where where we simply have to to start picking up maximum points and. But if you sit here and you think two points from Arsenal away, Manchester City away at the start of the season, when you looked at those, you thought that's two tough games. And no matter how well you play in those games, it's quite conceivable you can lose those games because there's, there's quality players on both those sides. So the fact that we're unbeaten in those two and you have taken points, which is two more points than last year, you take that Newcastle game now and you think, well, you know, what a missed opportunity that was. And if we were sitting here with eight points, we'd all be perfectly happy. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And on, like I say there, if you look at those two games in isolation, they're grounds that we don't do favourably well at, so you would take points at both. But it is just that Newcastle game that is so frustrating to have not got a result there. Is. And that's what obviously yeah. is going to be magnified with the games that we've had now before the international break. Let's look at the team then ahead of the game, because that's going to raise the questions just like you say about Danny Rose and Davinson Sanchez. Now, we saw Jan Vertonghen return to the heart of the Tottenham Hotspur defence with Christian Eriksen back in the centre of the midfield. Deli Ali was back on the bench for Spurs. Harry Kane led the line with Eric Lamella back in the starting lineup with Lucas Moura, Giovanni Lecerto on the bench for Maurizio Pochettino to call upon. Now, Spurs began that North London derby, as Jace mentioned, playing a flat 4-4-2 with Davidson Sanchez at right back. Now, Crackers, when you saw that team... Just how surprised was you to see Davidson Sanchez operating as the Spurs right back? Baffling. No, I don't know. He's he's just not a right back, and it showed that from seventy minutes onwards, his legs are gone because he's not he's not a right back player. He's not got the engine for it, and Aurier's there and, and not planning it. And of course, you know, as you're saying, but uh, the Tongan can play there as as well, and it just seemed. It just seemed baffling. It's like, like the point I was making before with some of the decisions that Maurizio's making. Um, it, another another baffling one was even like during the game, um, Son seemed to terrify them in the in the first half, and he got he got a, a lot of a lot out of the game with his pace and his trickery. And Mora seemed to be. Taylor made to come on uh, with some fresh legs and do that again, and you know, he, and he just he never made an appearance. And I thought, well, why? Because you know he's 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 a son-like player, so so bring him on because they were they were struggling to to deal with him. So Sanchez right back, no, not not for me, especially in a game like that. You could understand if we were playing somebody at home. A bottom six team or you know in the league cup or something covering them thinking okay yeah fair enough you should be able to do a do a job there but 
in that, in that type of game, no, it seemed to be like a bit of a crazy experiment, but just about got away with. But everything came down that side in the second half because they knew what what they'd, they'd get out of it. Yeah, Nahal, I'll bring that over to you. A lot of questions on Spurs' defence, and I think if we were trying to answer all of them, we'll be here all night, but let's take a few. This is from Paul McBride at Paul Macca 89 who says, How have we not addressed the right-back issue? Sanchez was poor, and Oreo would have probably been sent off on the basis of that game. What do you make of that right-back situation at the moment? And Nahal, how much, you know, as in the summer, we were crying out saying that was an area that Spurs had to, you know, look to strengthen that area going into the start of the season. They didn't. Obviously, Foyth got injured, which, you know, you can't help. That wasn't pre-planned. It's, you know, it's something for Mauricio Pochettino to deal with. Just how concerned are you by that right-back area and the fact of using Sanchez when, like Jason said earlier, you've got Toby Adeviro that plays there regularly for Belgium? Yeah, well, I think you've answered your own question in that respect, haven't you? Because, yeah, why not there? But look, we, we can all, as we do, sit and pontificate about we need a player for this position. Where is that player? How much does that player cost? Does that player fit in with the system that we play? And if you can't answer any of those questions, or if any of those questions are, uh, no, that player doesn't, or that player is too expensive, then where are you? And then you have to make do with what you have. We are not, despite this billion-pound stadium, uh, able to dig deep financially as the other clubs are able to do. Yes, we had our record signing over the summer, but still, that kind of pales in insignificance to some of the money that's spent on continental Europe and some of the money that's spent here. So, yes, we can say, look, we need that. And we're worried that that hasn't been addressed. But what can we do? We have to make do with what we have. Um, but as you've all pointed out, putting um, Sanchez in that position didn't really make any sense uh, today. And, I, I, you know, look, unless we speak to... Jesus Perez and, uh, and Pochettino himself and ask them why. I, I, I mean, I'm in, as intrigued as you all are as to know where that meant, where does that come from? Where does that idea come from? And a good point was made that, look, if you're going to try things out like that, that potentially can be quite risky. You don't do it against top six teams, do you? No. You don't do it. Know that you've got, they've got those three up front, Arsenal, who are a handful. They're a handful to anyone. They're terrifying, those three guys that they've got up front. So, why would you take that risk? I think that's a, that, that's a very valid question. But equally, you know, you can't just magic players out of thin air um, if they don't exist. And certainly if they're so expensive, we all know that, you know, the prices that, you know, when you've got Harry Maguire over 80 million pounds, you know, we can't, we can't do that. I think, I think maybe part of it, um, Part of his thinking was probably if Aubameyang pills that side, Davinson Sanchez, in theory, is our is our defender with the most amount of pace, mm. and that maybe he looked at it and thought, well, I, I'll back Sanchez's pace against Aubameyang, and, and maybe maybe that was his thinking at at, uh, at kickoff. But of course, you know, part of pace is not just how quick you run; it's it's the how quick you manoeuvre the ball and those those first few touches of the ball or whatever and the, the quickness of your feet that that get you away from something. And and Sanchez's body position was was too often, you know, too square on or he, he's just caught in, you know, not reading the game properly. So for that that first yard they get away from him. And then, you know, if he matches Albamiang for pace, then he's still going to be a yard behind him, you know, 25, 30 yards later, isn't he? So it, it was something that you thought, well, I, 
you know, as I say, maybe that was his thinking, but it was clear that it wasn't going to work. And, and that was a time to try and do something. And that's when poor old Musa Sissoko ends up trying to end up covering him. And we then get short in the middle with, with Winks trying to battle on his own. And I, I actually thought Winks put up one hell of a battle in there, considering he, he, a lot of the game he was completely outnumbered. But, you know, it's, like I say, I can partly understand the experiment, but it, it had to be changed really quickly. Jay, sticking with you, another question that's coming, which is a really, really good question. This is from Nate Crooks. How has our defence collapsed this much just in the space of over two seasons? Rose, full of mistakes and trying to do too much. Sanchez, likewise. Undoubtedly, we're missing Undumbele and a natural right-back. What do we do with the right-back spot and who plays there for you? Well, there's nothing you can do with the right-back spot until at least January, is there? So... You know, he, he obviously wants Foyth to play there. When we've seen Foyth, I've not been convinced. Carl Walker-Peters, he's learning his thing. It's it's a little bit like last year when it was. I mean, if it, if tomorrow Serge Aurier is still there, you've got to think about using him because he's a right-back and, and probably better than having a centre-half out there. But we know the the uh, the rashness that, that Serge Aurier brings. But I think, you know, from where we were two years ago, that axis in front of the back four of Dembele and... Um, Wanyama. Wanyama was an absolute beast then, but bit by bit, we've lost Dembele, we've lost Wanyama. I think, you know, you're looking at it as a whole unit. It's not down to any one individual, but but my God, I'd love Dembele and Wanyama from two years ago. Oh God, wouldn't, we, front of it. wouldn't we all? Well, let's talk about happier things. Christian Eriksen putting Spurs in front. Crackers, Spurs countered through Sonny, who played a lovely ball into Eric Lamella. His initial shot was saved, but Christian Eriksen was there, making no mistake to tap in the rebound. Thoughts on Christian Eriksen's performance, mm-hmm. Crackers? <clears throat> yeah, the the ghost of Paul Stalteri, wasn't it? That, that, uh, <laughs> That's true. I like that. It was, it was shades of Stalteri. It was. Stalteri there. And, um, yeah, that, I mean, the, the ball, the shots come in and it's just, Leno's got his hands to it, but not enough. And he hasn't sort of got anything on it. And, uh, and, and in he's come and uh, just, just fantastic. But I thought... Ericsson looked a little bit brighter today. Um, looks like a man that realises he's going to be there till January now and um, seems to be sort of old enough and professional enough to go, right, well, I'm here, you know, I can't sort of carry on like I have been and uh, and picked a game up. And I think even if there is things going on behind the scenes, it seems to keep being hinted at Spurs at the moment with an unhappy dressing room and all sorts of silly rumours or maybe not so silly that there's been some fights and all sorts uh, just the derby day comes round and you'd like to think that players will go right okay look it's derby day we can't need to put our differences aside and buckle in and, and give it our all and uh, yeah it was, it was a better performance from him today and long may that uh, continue. I, I want to see him start every game, Ericsson. He's, d- despite some games where he hasn't looked quite at it, um, he's he's class. He's he's at he is absolute class. You know, he's, it, no no mistake. When Real Madrid come in for somebody, they don't go in for anyone too Bob, do they? So he's obviously got something something about him, and he he starts every game for me because he can be ineffective for a lot of the game not clear the first man on, on a few few set pieces. But then all of a sudden, he just pulls a weldy pass out and puts somebody in and, you know, he, he, he can turn the game. So he's, he's a start for me and looked a lot brighter today. 
Yeah, I agree. I think he has got that ability, like you say, Crackers, to change a game at any moment. And I think the only frustration with Ericsson has been from Spurs fans that we don't see it on a more regular basis. Bringing you in now, Howe, I think on the back of that game, I find it very difficult to question his commitment. I think he played very well. And maybe like Cracker says, he's maybe just ex- accepted now. He's not going to get the move that he desires. He's going to get his head, you know, firmly down and work for Spurs because he covered every single blade of grass. And for me, he was a player that deserved to be on the winning side based on the amount of effort he puts in. And you just hope that kind of performance is going to ignite his season in a Spurs shirt. Well, I mean, I was at the Villa game and everyone around me was wondering why he didn't start. I mean, as soon as the guy came on, it was a different team. I mean, he completely changed the course of that game. And yes, we will miss him. I mean, every pundit that you hear on the radio and on the TV, as soon as his name is mentioned, it is about where is he going to be at the end of January and is he happy at Spurs, etc., etc. But as you've all said, gentlemen, you know, once he gets on there, his commitment is a hundred percent, and we uh, and we, you know, if he does go, we will seriously miss his creativity. I hope it's a no, but I guess if they come in with enough money for him, and I'm not sure what he's worth, I don't know what his price is out there on the open market, then um, then then we will lose him. Hmm. Jace, let's move it on to yourself because we did hear Maurizio come out after the game and speak about Christian Eriksen's future. He said there's still hours and one day. Obviously, the day is discounting now because you're going to probably hear the show from midnight onwards. So we are literally now just hours away to knowing if Christian Eriksen's going to be here. He goes on to say, Jace, it's impossible, but it'll be difficult. But nothing is impossible in football when it comes to keeping the player. But he's optimistic. Thoughts, Jace, on the comments from Maurizio? Don't know, mate. We'll just have to wait until tomorrow, won't we, and, and, and see where we are then. I thought, you know, I, I love the way he scored. He made that bursting run to get there. Uh, which Socrates completely seemed aware of. I thought a lot of the second half when we were coming under the cosh, you know, he looked he looked leggy, for want of a better phrase. And um, and you know, like I, I think I alluded to it last week, maybe just with the, with the futures of so many players up in the air and and so much going on off the pitch, maybe just that general intensity just hasn't been there in the trading. That's part of Pochettino's problem. And, you know, they looked so much fitter than us, didn't they? They were playing a real temper and we were we were really struggling until that last five minutes. And I just hope that whatever's happened, that, that one or two people that have perhaps been not fully committed through training sessions all the way through the week can really lift themselves and get some of that intensity and, and sharpness back in their game because... There was too many of them looking really leggy in that second half for me. Yep. Crackers, over to yourself. Let's discuss the penalty for Spurs. I mean, there was no doubt a penalty. And I love, it doesn't say much stuff that's worth listening to Graham Sooners, but I did love his comment where he said that Harry Winks sent Ainsley Maitland-Niles for an ice cream. Because that is exactly what he did to, you know, help Spurs get that penalty for Harry Kane, who tucked it away, no problem. And it must be said, Crackers, that penalty was all about the really, really excellent pressing from Harry Winks and the awful defending from Granit Xhaka. Yeah, uh, Winks, he had a stormer today. He's uh, he's like a young Steve Perriman for me. I'm probably going to get a load of pelters for that on uh, social media when this comes out. But um, Bloody good player. As, he's a bloody good player. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, and, and Steve, when I've had the privilege of uh, speaking to him at Q&A nights, always said I was never a nine, nine or ten out of ten. But I was never a five or six. I'm always a seven and an eight, eight player every week. And and Winks he is. He's he's always coming in, always solid. 
still very young as well. And uh, there's been a, a lot of games, even like today, like Jason's already pointed out, there he was literally on his own up against three quality midfielders and and making a good fist of it. And quite a few times he has been like th the only rock in the middle there and really under the cosh and yet always, always shines. Um, so, yeah, he, he was magnificent today, but the, the, the penalty itself, well, the, 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 the Xhaka um, uh, foul was just... <laughs> <laughs> why he's done that? Well, I'm glad. I'm glad he's done it. Don't get me wrong, but um, I mean, it was. What was it? I think it was nine fouls before he actually got a booking in that, the end. Ridiculous, and, wasn't it? Ridiculous, wasn't it? I mean, oh, it was just, It was crazy. Another, another, another referee. Uh, one, one with a bit of competency, and um, and and he's off. He, he, there was at least two yellow cards in in, in those seven, eight, nine fouls. That he's committed today, and uh, yeah, he's he's given that away. He's he's edge completely completely gone now. And um, again, what a penalty from from Kane is just like incredible to to hit the side net with that sort of venom. You just you back him every time to to put to put it away. So uh, yeah, fa fantastic, fantastic from him. And uh, long may Granite Xhaka sit in the defence for Arsenal, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I agree with that one. Now, you know, just on Kane, like Cracker says there, his penalty taking is phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, he has that really impressive blend of power and accuracy. He's definitely one of the best around, isn't he, Now, Oh, without, without a doubt. I mean, just think about, I always think about just the psychology of that that goes into it. Because you can practice it as many times as you want on the training ground. But then there's thousands of people, especially if you're in such a hostile environment. And you know how much it means, how important it is. And for him to step up and just do it so coolly, and so, I mean, methodically, and I mean, it's like a, it's like a, a surface-to-surface -surface missile going into the corner there. It was, he's an extraordinary man at doing that. Didn't he miss one against West Ham where he played a one-two against the keeper and still scored? <laughs> That's about as close as he comes to missing a big one, Jason. Isn't it? I, th I think that was it in the last minute against West Ham when it in a two-two draw when he actually he played a one-two off the keeper and still did it. But I think that's his what he's, that's his fifth against Arsenal and his third at the. Uh, at the Hemorrhoid Stadium. So, uh, you know, once again, just keeps his call under intense pressures, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah we're 10 in 10 That's for amazing. Kane against Arsenal. He's now only way when he's the only player to score more goals against Arsenal than Harry Kane. He's now scored 10 in North London derbies. No player has scored more in the history of the fixture. And we must as well mention as well, Christian Eriksen scored his 50, 50 goals in the Premier League now and only the fifth player to achieve that feat for the club. So it just shows you Eriksen Kane absolutely pivotal to this team. We're going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we're going to discuss where it all simply went wrong towards the end of that first half and into the second half. And our Spurs got out of the Emirates with just a point when in reality, they should have been taking all three home. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this very short break. Hello. Welcome back to the last word on Spurs. Jace, getting stuck back into the game itself. Arsenal hit back with Lacazette drifting between Vertonghen and Alderweireld to smash home Arsenal's route back into the game at 2-1. And I think it's fair to bring it up now. So, so bad from Danny Rose to not clear the ball. It did ruin what was a great 45 minutes for Tottenham. Yeah, and that's a shame because, you know, 2-0 up, 40 minutes, you think, right, just, just get in at half-time now. And... and see this half out it's only five minutes and the whole momentum shifted didn't it in that 
in that split second. But like I said, it was was poor from Danny Rose. Just clear it downfield, and and the referee blows his whistle. But you, you know, from the moment of Danny Rose's mistake, there's still plenty of. I'm not completely blaming him because there's still time for us to to get the ball. And there was a couple of just wild hacks and aimless kicks and things like that. And we totally lost our composure. We never recovered. It was a silly. I think it was a silly free kick we give away in the first place where where, you know, Hugo was forced into the save and, and it just wasn't very clever football all around. And just that lack of composure at times is worrying. Mm, it is, isn't it? I mean, just on Danny Crackers, you know, we had a, a chat over oh, Twitter at the time just about his future and where it was going. And I think we were both fairly convinced he was going to be out the door. I mean, are you surprised he's still here, Crackers, to some degree? I actually really like him because in, a, in an age of... Um, players being so two-dimensional and turned sideways you can't see him in an interview he he really does wear his heart on his sleeve and he's like brutally brutally honest about how he feels how he sees the game and I don't know yeah maybe he's just like too honest for his own good and I think where he said like well you know I'm, I'm maybe out the door here I think he was more alluding to the fact that the club if they get an offer will just tip him out the door like any player at any club and people always question players loyalty to clubs well clubs have very little loyalty to players because it's just a brutal numbers game if, if you hit the right number with a bid you get you get the player and, and a player is, is gone no matter no matter who it is really so and I think he was just being brutally honest with with that um I, I really I like him as a person and 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 some of his interviews. You know, he's he's refreshingly honest and and, and upfront. Um, I know a lot of people don't seem to like it and say, oh, you know, he shouldn't be saying this, he shouldn't be saying that. But I get fed up with hearing interviews from players that have just been media schooled to within an inch of their life and agents and clubs. I uh, oh, don't say anything, you know. Just go out there and say, obviously delighted, same as the lads, obviously gutted and the lads and, you know, and this and the lads and that and the lads. And then he comes along and he just gives you like a great interview and just tells you exactly how it is. So I don't know, maybe that that at the time when he said I might be gone was not actually he was going, just a brute honesty of what, what life in the game is like, I think. Mm, a lot of questions on Danny Rose and how I'm going to ask you one. This is from Cooper at an American Spur who says Davis or Rose question mark. Seems like Danny has been given four games and hasn't really impressed. Thoughts on that now? I think that's unfair. I think he works so, you know, he works so, and there are moments of just brilliance which have us cheering away and then there's obviously bits that don't quite work out. When it comes to Davis or Rose, quite interesting, I I did an event with um, Eric Dyer and Ben Davis and uh, and I said, you know, what will you be doing, you know, to Eric Dyer if you, you know, if you weren't doing football? And he said, I'll be working for Ben Davis. He said, he's such a smart bloke. He's like, I'll just be working for him. And um, I think maybe it's interesting you don't see Ben Davis playing, but I, I just, I, I think that's being really harsh on Danny Rose. I really... Yeah, he has moments, and I, I absolutely agree with how refreshing it is to hear a footballer tell you how he feels, rather than exactly as was pointed out there. You know the kind of cliches that come out to hear someone who 
gets away from the media training and just says, look, this is what's going on in my life. This is how I feel. I think his conversations about racism, but also about mental health were extraordinarily brave to do um, in this climate. So, you know, I, I rate him. Look, he, he, you, you can't, there's no way. Okay. Yeah. He makes mistakes. There's no way you can ever suggest that Danny Rose is lazy or that he's not giving his hundred percent for the team. Never, ever could you say that. Jace, this is your this is your time, isn't it, Jace? Tell us your thoughts. You, you know my thoughts on him. So uh, I think they were well documented over the summer. Do your talking on the pitch first and foremost. And, you know, this phrase of, oh, he gets it and he plays with a passion, you know, fine. But they should all get it. They should all play with passion. Isn't that what the Sheffield United manager was alluding to the other day when, when Sheffield United got clapped off? And he said, well, that's the least I expect. I just, I just want people to play with quality and game, you know, game intelligence. And I, I just don't see it from him anymore. That's, that's not to say I think Ben Davis is a great left back either. I mean, we're weak in both the areas, but you know, today's the type of thing where Ben Davis just doesn't, doesn't make that mistake. I, I swear he doesn't. And just play with, like I say, play with composure and play with intelligence more than anything else. And say what you want off the pitch, but but show yourself on the pitch and it's, it's it's on the eye. He puts the effort in and things, but there's just a real, there was a, I mean, there was a chance late on, wasn't there with a, with a chance for a cross from Danny Rose, what, five minutes to go or something. He shows all the energy to get there, which is fantastic, but a cross goes absolutely nowhere. And it's the type of cross that if Ben Davis makes it, everyone jumps on his back. But, you know, we just don't see that quality from him. Not often enough. He's nowhere near that 2016 player when he was by far the best left-back in the league. Jace, you know for me, I was backing Danny Rose to stay in the summer. You know for me, I always said to you at the time, if there yep. wasn't going to be a better solution, then, you know, we should stick with Danny. It, it's hard for me, I'll be honest with you chaps, to watch those four games that we've seen so far and feel that Danny deserves his place in the team at the moment over Ben Davis. I feel, if you're looking at Rose, there's been errors in a lot of those games and what concerns me is that the lack of the lack of communication in defense at times we've seen it with Sanchez the week before at Newcastle we saw it again yep. today with Vertonghen you know we recalled Vertonghen to the team and I was behind that Jason you know we spoke beforehand about the need to have Jan Vertonghen in there you know he's a leader he's calm he's composure but just on that second goal we conceded there was no real communication Jason was there I mean it was a great finish from don't get me wrong at Bamiyang but should we not be doing better in that situation Jason the way we conceded that goal well, I think the, f- the first problem is, and I, I think I said it earlier with, with Ericsson in midfield, if you look at it, he's, he doesn't get close enough to Gwendouzi. So you, you've got to stop the through ball coming in the first place. Gwendouzi's so much time to be able to lift his lift his head. And so, you, if you, you know, so so often these things have got to be stopped at source, not not reacting to the ball. You know, stop the ball coming in in the first place. But but once again, it's, it's Danny Rose can see his man. It's, it's similar to the two goals we've conceded against Villa and, and Newcastle where somebody just drifts in and, and they get away from it. Vertonghen hasn't been playing much. It's just, a, just a, as you say, it's a communication mess and, and nothing I've seen so far has surprised me. Crackers, back to the, the defence, the issue we've just spoke about. For that second goal, defensively, how does it? How much did it concern you to give up the tunnel lead in the way we did, in the manner we did it? I mean, this team, like you said at the very start of the show, there needs to be a bit more mental toughness doesn't there in these games away from home 
Yeah, absolutely. It's um, that, like I said to at the start of the show, that the, the balling from from Diet uh, David Luiz Guendouzi was uh, was 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 fantastic. But we did give him the time to make that ball. Nine times out of ten, he doesn't. He puts a little bit too much on it, not enough on it. Um, but it was a fantastic ball in. Um, but we allowed them to, to to do that. It was it was it was a good goal. Don't get me wrong, but there was a lot of, sort of errors and not enough leading up to that, where it, it could have been it could have been stopped. Somebody gets out to him a bit quicker. Um, finish. You know, you just have to take your hat off sometimes and just say, yeah, you know, that's that's a that's a great finish as well. But. Um, yeah, we, at the back we just look a little bit disjointed, a little bit disconnected, and not not the Spurs defence, as Jason said, of sort of twenty sixteen, and uh, yeah, something just not not quite right there. San- Sanchez as as well when he does play in the middle, and Foyth when he's fit, I think will be good players, but are not quite ready. And and Rose, you know, one or two mistakes. This season as well, I don't know. You, you just don't know what goes on on the training pitch with defensive drills and and everything. Perhaps the answer is to get George Graham back in oh, and uh, start working on that back four <laughs> Man again. In the raincoat. Man in the raincoat, bring him back. You get good response. <laughs> now, um, again, I said loads of questions. For the show, can't thank you enough, guys. As well, if you want to get your questions in, you just go to our Twitter account of at Last Word on Spurs after the game. We've got a question tweet there. You can add your question to the ever-growing list that we have after games. This one is in regards to P-Town about our, our passing around the back, and I've got to be honest, watching the game, I was terrified. You know, Larice, we will bring it on to Hugo because he had some great shot-stopping saves in that game. But at the same time, we just never look comfortable playing out the back. And I don't know why we continue to do it when we're under pressure. And that's the question here from Peter. who says, why do we insist on passing around at the back and let teams press us? Every bloody game this happens. Listen, you can't, you can't disagree with that, can you? I mean, Lloris at one point, he handed it to Aubameyang, didn't he? <laughs> Luckily, Aubameyang didn't make... Uh, more of it why would you do that I don't I don't get that either I really don't and I, I I'm not quite sure why I mean there's a couple of moments t- today when um when Larice was like what are you doing what are you doing but look it all comes look we're what three four games in and we're we're already <laughs> not that we thought we would, could win the Premier League at least I certainly didn't beforehand but looking at that from last week what happened and then today losing a 2-0 lead and that's a broader point not just about the defence but yeah I, I find that baffling when it comes to defence as well why why you would do that I mean it's suicidal oh it is and, no and it, and it nearly was today yeah. with one of Larissa's howlers you know it really was mm. well it's funny Craig Chalice Jace over to you asked a similar question why do we think we are good enough to play out from the back it nearly cost us twice during the game Yang just about reached it, and and that ended up with Danny Rose getting caught in possession, and then the one in the second half was was uh, was real high in the mouth, and you know they obviously want the press, they they're obviously looking to think, yeah, come on, come on, press us and, and try and play our way through, but you know, like I say, when you had Prime Victor Wanyama and Prime Moussa Dembele, they were 
comfortable knocking the ball in there because they had the, the strength and, and Moussa Dembele was so elegant he could receive the ball anywhere, couldn't he? And and turn away from his man. And and perhaps if you get Lo Celso and Ndombele into the side and things like that, will with a little bit more comfort. But uh, at the moment you play it so short and when there's only Moussa Sissoko to play it too and you think, oh, don't fancy Moussa Sissoko getting the ball 30 yards from goal and we just end up going into a, a complete mess and inviting pressure on ourselves. But, you know, it's, it's the way that we want to play, isn't it? Whether we think it's right or wrong, it's the way he's going to play. And we start hoofing the ball. I get the impression that, I've always said that with Pochettino, if you start hoofing it all over the place, you won't be in the team again. So <laughs> that's that's just the way he wants his football to be played. Mm. Just on the title race, that was a question that came up. I think, now how briefly mentioned it. Jace, this is from Alvo Spurs. He says, based on our first matches... Are we good enough to challenge for the title? Nowhere near it. Oh, Nowhere near it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, those those two sides already look light years ahead of us. Uh, not just us. I mean, you know, it's a weekend when Man United have dropped points against 10 men Southampton. It's Chelsea have dropped points at home to Sheffield United from 2-0 up like we were. You know, Arsenal, in theory, should be thinking, well, this is a Tottenham side short on confidence. They've only won once here in 26 years. You know, they'll be disappointed at only drawing 2-2 at home. And yet, Liverpool and City just just look imperious, don't they? Other than, than our result. It's, I mean, you get the impression both of those are going to go way north of 90 points again. So, you know, even if even if Tottenham are good enough, if, if I said to you we'll get 86 points, you'd you bite your hands off now, wouldn't you? But 86 points won't put us in a title race. I was going to ask you, Jase, even though, I'll ask Crackers, it's Crackers, even if there is a, a massive load of injuries to Liverpool and Man City players, for you, is there any way Spurs are even talked about in the same conversation as City and Liverpool? No, not 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 at the moment. Because uh, and again, I think a lot of this comes back to our mentality. And I think even if they they are dropping points, and we an opportunity presents ourselves to go and win a game and maybe put us a, a point ahead with like seven or eight games to go. Again, it's that mentality and schoolboy era issue. It's probably probably going to do for us, and it, it just seems to be that like the one big hurdle we need need to get over. And uh, as we saw today, when your mentality's not right, passing around at the back soon becomes pissing around at the back, doesn't it? You know, it's just one one letter away from it. And um, you know, Hugo in that start of that second half, you think to yourself, first fifteen minutes, you're going to have to really keep it tight because the kitchen sink's going to come at us with that, that goal they've got. And then he goes and does that. Now, he got away with it, but he just invites you know, a jitteriness. And the opposition will pick up on that. It lifted the crowd as well. The crowd really lifted. They could smell blood. And this, I think this will always be our undoing. So even in a title race where, you know, the other two have got injuries or dropping points, I just... Don't trust our mentality. There's still lots and lots of work to be done on it. Mm, no, it's fair. I think it's fair for what we're seeing. And just on mentality, Hugo Lloris, you know, a lot was discussed about him last season. Was he good enough for Tottenham? I think it's fair to say that his distribution, to some degree, still hasn't improved now, but he kept Spurs in that game with a couple of really, really decent stops. Yes, and it's look, it's a very, very difficult job being a goalkeeper, as I've said on a number of times, especially when you're facing that quality in attack. Um, and yeah, he did. He made some very, very 
important saves for us. And he can be brilliant. And most of the time he is brilliant. But, but there are, of course, those moments where you do kind of go, what are you doing? What do you do that for? And these are professional footballers who earn a lot of money. But yeah, as you pointed out, Hugo Lloris saves us a lot of points. But yeah, there's just those one or two moments where you just, what are you doing? Yeah, um, which is which always makes me feel, and I'm sure everybody else, a bit nervous. Well, it's funny when you like, "What are you doing?" That brings on nicely to the next subject, and to that Musa Sissoko shooting. Because what are you doing, Musa? Jace, oh. <laughs> last couple of minutes, the chance to win the North London derby, the chance to make yourself a hero after turning your footballing career around at Spurs from you know being a player that was, let's be honest, you know laughed at every week, never thought he was good enough, to then putting in some real decent performances where he's turned the tide of opinion. If only you could shoot, Jace. God, what a play we have on our hands. <laughs> it was just Sod's law. The last person you wanted that chance to come to was him, wasn't it? I'm a little bit disappointed, if, if anything, that, that Christian Eriksen actually made a really good run. And I'm a dis- disappointed that Harry didn't didn't put it in for Christian Eriksen a, a fraction earlier than, than ended up going to Musa Sissoko. But... Um, I think one of the one of our regular listeners listeners tweets, you know, part of your job as a professional footballer is shooting, and you've just got to spend more time on it. But again, is it is it really down to composure and and just confidence? It's it's a sorry sight, and as soon as the ball comes to him, you think, oh no, of all the people. But uh, like I say, if we'd have played it a little bit earlier to Christian Eriksen, I think we might have been looking at a different result. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay. Let's discuss Maurizio Pochettino's post-match comments then because he has discussed the transfer window which is due to close today. For those guys listening in, this show is out at midnight, of course, so the window is closing very, very soon. A matter of hours, I'm sure Jason McGovern cannot wait to happen. We've been discussing it far too long throughout this summer and it is finally coming to a close. Maurizio says, I'm so happy because the transfer window is going to finish. We have massive quality. We all need to be on the same page. We all need to start from that tomorrow as in today to win games he goes on to say on Daniel Levy what happened in the past is the past after five years it is important to move on learn from the past and after two meetings with him we need to learn and it is tough to decide a strategy to put Tottenham on the level we deserve to be he also admits that he's not been happy at Spurs and talks about being a clown or being made to look like a clown and having to mask emotions he says we care a lot about Tottenham this is why we are going to start a sixth season. The fans know when you are not happy, there is something going on behind the scenes. Now, Jason, it's interesting he says that because we've been discussing a lot on the podcast about just how unhappy he has been looking. Just his character, it's not like seeing Maurizio like he has been. And you alluded to the point, Jason, on your Twitter account over the, the weekend as such that we did see a more of a jovial side to him in that pre-match press conference at Arsenal or before it. So he does seem, Jason, in a little way now to be lighting up a bit more, a bit more relief that that window is coming towards a close. Well, I don't blame him for that. I mean, I'm relieved about it. The only one disappointed is probably you because, <laughs> you know, you can't wait for January the 1st to open again and then you can link us with another 700 players and such. But, but no, seriously, it's, uh, I think part of it as well, I mean, you know, Friday is still being asked the same question. Will, is this going to be Christian's last game? And you must think, I have had this question now, what, 65 times in the last two months. And it must just wear you down. So part of it, I think, comes from that. I think, you know, in terms of learning the lessons of the past, will we really learn them? You know, was there anything really different in the summer that 
that none of us would expect. We kind of know that that's the way it's going to go, isn't it? Signings will come in late if they come in and we'll end up arguing over bits and pieces. So, you know, I'm not so sure we'll have learnt the lessons. But um, I just think once it shuts, I think the, the key thing from his point of view will get in those players back in training, fully focused on Tottenham games and, and where they are. And I think that'll that'll help him and will reinvigorate that group and, and then he can start pushing people again because I just think there's too many people who've gone through the summer half-heartedly through training thinking, why should I bust my balls in training? I'm probably not going to be here. Why, why am I going to risk getting an hamstring train or, or a groin strain or something in training when, when it's going to bugger up a move? So I think, you know, once once we get to tomorrow night, then, then everything starts afresh and, and we go again then. No, I'm conscious of time. Just give us your final thoughts now, just on the press conference from Pochettino. Is it now a case that this will be a new chapter for this team? What he needs to focus on? Do you think now Pochettino can use the window coming to a close to really invigorate this Spurs side now? He knows the players he's going to work with and therefore the season really ultimately starts today for him. I think that's a valid point. Definitely a valid point because um, I just remember the whole Luka Modric um, transfer saga when he was supposed to be going to Chelsea and how unsettling that was and then it closes and it's done and the player can't have its head turned certainly for a few months and um, you get on with the business in hand and you prove to whatever potential buyers in the next transfer window that you're the best that you can be so absolutely I think that this is a reset and then all of those distractions I mean look there are enough distractions when you're managing a football club as it is this is the one that you can do without, definitely do without, where your players, key players are linked with other clubs. So if that is out of the equation, then yes, absolutely. We can have more focus and those players who perhaps were getting their heads turned, their heads have to be now focused on impressing, perhaps if they still want to go, potential suitors, or certainly just earning their place in the squad and really, really working hard for the team. So hopefully... Yes, we live in hope. We're optimists. Well, actually, no, we're Spurs fans. We're pessimists. But <laughs> we, we, and in this occasion, perhaps we're, we're, we can be optimistic that this distraction is now 100% officially gone for the time being. I think the other thing that will please him once, once we get going again is that we haven't really had that new player bounce yet, have we? I mean, we, we bought three of his main targets and he can't ignore that. The, the players that he most wanted. But I suppose with Ndombele missing the last two games, so he hasn't properly got going yet. Sessignon's nowhere near going. Lo Celso comes on for, what, a few minutes in the last few games. But we don't really feel like we've had that new new influx in players to me. It's, it's you know, you kind of want your three new players to come in and, and all be in the team on match day one and... OK, they might take time to, to fully settle, but, you know, it's, it's a shame that, you know, we play the North London derby and none of them are really fit to start. And the same last week. So I think once they come back, hopefully Ndombele's fit. The Celso, I hope, goes through two weeks of, of real getting him getting himself going. I don't know if Argentina or it will be sometime with Argentina, but hopefully those types of things happen. And Sessignon, I'd ideally love to see him, you know, really pushing for selection Probably for, if not for that first game against Palace, at least on the bench, then presumably we'll have Carlin Cup game just after that and he could hopefully get a, a debut in 90 minutes along with us also on his belt for those.
Yeah, agree. Guys, one thing we didn't touch on with Harry Kane is just the VAR incident. Now, Crackers, want to come around to you for that because a lot of people saying it wasn't a penalty. Harry kind of cleverly, again, with his body, seems to know what he's doing. That's what, we're, that's what a lot of people seem to be saying. And again, Sky made him view that incident back without really giving him a warning that they would view it back. Harry said, oh, I'm going to watch it back. Sky said, you have to watch it now which he did. And we again saw a similar incident where Deli Ali was clearly being manhandled, which VAR didn't pick up. Just how concerned are you by the inconsistency of VAR? And, you know, are players now being prejudged on previous events when it comes to penalties and non-penalties? How do you see it, Crackers? Yeah, it's, it's a nonsense. I hate VAR. Uh, I, re- I, I really do. The whole ethos of the game is one week you'll get a decision uh, that you really shouldn't have, and the next week you don't. I think it gives the game its depth. I think it gives it its angles. I think it gives the game its talking points. And the game is just being sterilised to the point of of just not being the game that I certainly fell in in love with. It's just it's too it's too much. There's I've done. I, I think refs generally get most things right um, and players have to look at themselves as well those that sort of throw themselves to the floor um, you know, looking for penalties and it tarnishes it for, for everyone and I, I just I just don't like VAR, I just, I, I can't have it it's just, it's just made the game way too sterile the two incidents today if we are where we are and we've got VAR, then the Deli Alley um um, foul is a penalty so that should have been reviewed and a penalty given um, the Harry Kane one um, it's, it's difficult I, I don't I don't think it is a penalty because even looking at it it looks like it's more him shielding the ball and then going over I think there was I think there was a level of him looking for it as well and you know what in the derby game, and if you can nick a win in it, God bless him for doing it, really, to be honest, because it is, it is a derby game. And all players will do it. They will look to try and gain that, that advantage, even if they don't really need to, to go down. Um, it's how you do it as well, isn't it? It's I mean, the Italians call it clever play. They don't call it cheating. Well, that's called, exactly called spot on. Clear. Yeah, clever play, and yeah, so he's he's, he's looked for it uh, and hasn't got it. Um, yeah, so if you're going to have VAR, then maybe today we should have had a penalty for Deli Ali's uh, foul. And on the flip side of that, if it's considered that Kane has actually looked for it, then he gets a booking for diving. And if, if you're going to use VAR, then then use it. It just seems to be a little bit. Oh well, yeah, we'll use it for this decision, not that decision. It's just it's too too woolly. There's too much at stake for it to come in with it almost still being trialed. You can, you just can't do it. You 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 cannot do it. It's it's a no for me. It's just taken that that edge and that just that unpureness out of the game. I don't, I don't like how pure it's all got. I don't have a problem with with most of the incidents with VAR because I think we're we're hiding behind. VAR. I mean, some of the decisions over the weekend, the, the, the Tielemans foul yesterday, it's a red card. How the referee doesn't give it. We blame VAR today, but the referee should have given him a red card, not VAR. 
the, the Eric Lamella one at City, it's a penalty. It's Michael Oliver that deems it isn't. And VAR won't overturn it, but it doesn't get away from the fact that it's the referee that didn't think it was a penalty. Last week, Mike Dean, it's a penalty. It's a 100% penalty. He doesn't give it. Yet we all go on about VAR, and I think the referees are getting away with a lot of it. And then yesterday, people say VAR should overturn the, the Aston Villa incident. The referee's blown his whistle. He stopped the game. You know, it was appalling refereeing. And yet, once again, we hide him behind VAR and, and, and as if VAR is the, the cause of all these things. None of those incidents should have been referred to VAR because the referee should have made the right and clear and call on the day. And, you know, I mean, that Tielemans one yesterday, it's shocking, isn't it? I mean, how is that not a red card yesterday? I, I, you know, it's just a crazy decision. So, for me, I don't have a, you know, the VAR, the handball one, Okay, was 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 clear because of the the rules of the game, but I just think referees are really hiding behind it. And the, what the hell are some of these referees doing at the moment? How concerned are you, Jace, by the incident with Delhi Ali? The fact that wasn't even picked up by VAR. Surely that's what it's there for, isn't it? How how was that not picked up the incident on Delhi? But you have to be part of the conversation between Martin Atkinson and VAR. Maybe Martin Atkinson says, "I've I've seen the incident. I don't think it's enough to." to give the penalty, and in which case we've heard it. The, refer- the VAR's not going to overturn it, and it becomes a subjective decision. If, But again, I think if Martin Atkinson had pointed to the spot, I don't think VAR would have said to him it's not a penalty. So it, it's the referee's interpretation of it that is still the, the key part of the decision-making, and yet we will all jump on VAR. It's, it's up to Martin. And I thought Martin Atkinson today, some of the fouls that he gave were just minuscule things he seemed to give them everything and us nothing and you know if Harry Kane's penalty I mean like Cracker says I think Harry Kane's looking for it but but you know if that happens anywhere else on the pitch it's given us a foul isn't it yeah just to sum up then guys so two of the top five already playing undefeated no doubt the result against Newcastle was unacceptable for Spurs we can't can't say anything other than that but there are some you would say and I know you can never say this in the Premier League but we have got some winnable fixtures I think that's fair to say to come we've got Palace at home Leicester away Southampton away Brighton at home Watford away now I can't sit here crackers and say they're all a given you know you're looking at 15 points there but with those fixtures coming, this is now an opportunity for Spurs to build some momentum. The window is coming to a close. Maurizio's going to know his squad. Surely now we can get our season firmly underway. Yeah, you'd, you'd like to think so. You'd like to think that the window shuts, everybody knuckles down, everybody goes into those games knowing where they are till at least January. And uh, and we go we go full tilt at it and uh, you know we hope nobody picks up any injuries in training or international duties or anything like that we've got enough quality to beat all of those teams we have to believe we can beat them and we have to be a little bit more savvy in those games as well and uh, as has been mentioned before a few of those new players coming back in and bedding in as well I'd like to see that other new lad that I've uh, that seems to be uh, not getting a, any game time. Eric Dyer playing, like whatever happened to him? Um, the forgotten man, <laughs> isn't he? Just, crackers, the forgotten man. He is. He is a forgotten man, and he, you know he, he's a man that was being linked with Man United at one stage and was was doing fantastic, and he's just he just seems to have disappeared off the face of the earth, and yet he's another player that can play in a couple of positions 
and gives us good options when he's when he's in form. But he just like he's just just out the equation, isn't he? So there's there's him to come back as well. So there's a, a, a deep enough squad. Um, I also want to see in this fifth season, as I've been putting Maurizio under the spotlight a little bit this evening. Um, having a bit of a tilt at one of the cup competitions because I do, I really do think that that would would buoy us and that would actually give us a little something. It's a bit of an albatross, uh, a, a millstone around the neck, if you like. But, you know, Spurs haven't won anything, so we've got enough, a deep enough squad to go quite far in a cup competition and even go on uh, to win it as well. Problem you have is the clubs look at the top four and what you can get just financially to make the Champions League means that you're going to earn more from that one qualification than you would win in the FA Cup or League Cup 10 years in a row. That, that's, that's the problem. But I think a trophy in the cabinet would be a massive boost to this side. And I also think it would just be a, a terrible shame for this side of Maurizio not to go and win a cup because that's what we all remember. We we all remember the, the cups and that, you know, it's uh, maybe I'm a little bit old school, but the cups still mean something to me and I'd love us to go, go and lift one. Don't they all? I totally agree with Crackers. If anything I want to see this Spurs team do this season is to really go for the domestic cups because the squad is good enough now, especially if Christian Eriksen stayed. Jase, this is my final chance to ask you a transfer question before the window shuts, so please oh, forgive no. me. Have we seen the last of Serge Aurier <laughs> and Victor Wanyama at the club, Jace? Uh In Victor Wanyama's case, I hope so. Um, I don't mean that in a, with any bad feeling towards Victor Wanyama, who was fantastic that season for us. I wish that Victor Wanyama was there, but he's barely kicked a ball for two years. And I think, you know, that tells you everything. And... As Pochettino said, we're not a charity case and, and others have, have, have gone ahead of him. And I think, you know, the Oliver Skips and that, why play Victor Wanyama when you can play Skip? So I hope Victor Wanyama leaves um, with Aurea. I kind of I, I kind of hope he now does stay because just I, I don't feel comfortable at, at right back. That That's all. I think in terms of those, that, that last question in terms of the Cups, I think you're right. It's time to win something, but I think it's a bit harsh to say we haven't gone for it when we've been in a final last year. We was in a semi-final of a domestic cup last year. We won't we get in that a semi-final, Jace, will we? That, we, that uh, Palace no, in the cup. Uh, but but you know we were in a that was a week where we had the second leg of a Chelsea game that went to to penalties and and, a, and immediately before a Watford game. So you know the Palace game was was one of three. But we were in a semi final last year. We were in a semi final of the FA Cup the year before. And we were in a semi final of the FA Cup the year before that. And we have been to a, a Carabao Cup final under Pop. So I think we've been there enough times to have got across the line to, than to say he's he's deliberately thrown cup competitions away. Listen, it's now time to deliver. I think that's fair to say it. Crackers, thank you for coming back on tonight. I hope we have you back on Crackers throughout the season. Fingers crossed. Yeah, thank you for asking me on. Good bit of group therapy after today. And uh, yeah, nice to get a bit off the chest and chat to all the uh, chaps once again. I agree. A bit less of the therapy, Crackers. We have some wins here to talk about. It's been a while. Can we have a couple of wins now coming up? Uh, let, let's hope, hope so. I'm, I'm still to come on after a win. I think I've oh had a couple God. of defeats and a draw. So I'm edging ever closer. 
You didn't tell me that when I booked you. You didn't tell me that when I booked you, crackers. <laughs> I'm the harbinger of doom. Yeah, don't, Dear don't, ever, don't ever get me on. If we if we have a real must-win game, like if you're doing a pod after a cup final or something, but we've, we're a final we've actually made, don't book me. Don't book me. Right, I'm getting you on for Norwich. Let me double-check. I'll come back to you. <laughs> no worries. Cheers, crackers. Thank you so much as always. And Jay, save for coming back on the show. Windows nearly shut, Jace. Nearly time to relax. Yeah, shut the bloody thing, mate. Fingers crossed. Well, guys, listen, thank you ever so much. I hope you enjoy the show. We are back on Thursday night, and we are back on Patreon this week. Got a big show coming your way, myself, Jonathan White-Rose, and we've got some really special guests to come in the next couple of weeks on Patreon. So if you want to check out the extra content on The Last Word on Spurs, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash last word on Spurs. And we also are back Thursday night with a Love Sports show. Guys, have a good week. And as always... Come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.